Where Murder Meets Mystery contains graphic and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. down the street where murder meets mystery a podcast exploring the murderous the mysterious and everything that lies beyond the beyond i'm marissa and i'm grace and i killed that intro this time fuck <laughs> yes the one episode that just got released today <laughs> oh my gosh i butchered it but it was funny it was good it was a good bit did you take out the pause because i left it in because i thought Absolutely it was funny. not i thought it was hilarious okay good it wouldn't make sense <laughs> otherwise so I was like, uh, yeah, she left it in. I didn't, I didn't take anything out actually this week. It was so good. We killed it. Oh, hell yeah. It was so funny. (laughs) Wasn't it funny? Yeah. Okay. Well, you want to just like get into it or do you have (laughs) 50 (laughs) seconds in? Damn. (laughs) She's ready to get done with this. Okay. No, I have actually one little antidote to tell. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I told you that I would remind you and I did it. So no, it's fine. I, I like. (laughs) It's in it's engraved in my brain because I'm terrified. Okay, good. But, um, oh. So I, um, Eric, my boyfriend, was out of town for work this week, and I was home alone. And the first night I was home alone, obviously I'm freaking out. I I live in a great area; it's great, whatever. But it's always scary staying home alone for the first time. I've lived alone in the past, but in like apartments and like right that's different. floor, yeah, versus like first floor house type of vibe, um, and. Of course, my first night here, I'm like winding down. I'm feeling actually pretty safe. I'm like, okay, this is good. I'll be fine. My dog's here, whatever. And then around 930, um, the lights in my house and TV power, the whole power went off, on, off, on, off, on four times. And it was like a pause in between. And then it went really, really fast. And I'm like, holy shit. I am literally like the de- there's demons here. No doubt. Right. Like, there are demons here. Why did this happen? Our power's never gone out. It wasn't stormy or anything. So obviously I looked up like Duke energy power outages and I'm right. trying to track <laughs> if there's any around us. There's not. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm freaking myself fuck? out. Yeah. It's either a demon or someone that wants to murder me that's trying to cut my power so that way I can't. And there wasn't a storm? In. No, it was a Saturday or oh. this Wednesday. Um, that is a very big difference, but (laughs) it was this Wednesday, but then like 10 minutes later, I I just kept checking the power outage map and luckily the neighborhood behind us, all of their power went out. So I guess I just got like the side effect from that, which is my power flickering. Terrifying. So that's my antidote. That was scary, but you know, I'm like paranoid. So I just thought it'd be a fun (laughs) story to tell and let's get into Grace's case. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck your story. (laughs) It was dumb. It's dumb. Like nothing's going to happen. No. You know? I'm sure there are some paranoid ghoul friends out there that will relate to that moment. Yeah. Okay, Grace, let's get into your case, shall we? Yes. So I have a kind of a fun one this week. It's really oh, good. It's like kind of random. Okay. Um, so I was researching, you know, I was doing my general Google, which is just like chilling true crime cases whatever I'd like to find my case this week and I have a big one planned for next week so I was I was trying to find one that was like a little lighter and I accidentally Mm -hmm. stumbled onto something that's really weird oh and I didn't I didn't like mean to find this but I found this like 
weird pattern that apparently is a thing. And I guess maybe this is more obvious to other people, but I, I thought it was weird. So I have a theme this week and all of these. So I'm going to talk about three different murders and all of these murders were cold cases for several decades and then were closed due to DNA found from chewing gum. Whoa. Isn't that weird? So there are three murders. They're all really similar, like super violent. And then they go cold for like, one of them was 26 years, one's 34 and one's 37 years. Oh my gosh. And then they're solved because of chewing gum. It's so weird. Isn't that weird? Wait, that is crazy. I'm (laughs) intrigued to see how and where this chewing gum comes into play. Yeah, so it's just it's just strange, and I I don't know. These are three completely separate cases. These women had nothing to do with each other. They were different ages, different races, different countries even. But it's just, it's so strange that they were all solved in the same manner, and, like, the cases were eerily yeah. similar. And I found this completely by accident because I was just covering one of them. And then crap. I was trying to do tri-fold. research on it. Yeah, and I was like, what? There are two. There is another one, and then I found a third one this morning, and I was like, "What the hell?" It's That's like a thing. Really cool. Yeah. So, our story begins with the first murder, which it takes place in Augusta, Maine, which is why I asked you about oh, Ben and Jason gosh. because I was like, "Oh my god, what a coincidence!" But it's not That's where they're crazy, but still Maine. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. So Augusta, Maine. It's June twelfth, nineteen seventy six, and Blanche Kimball. Kimball. K-I-M-B-A-L-L. Kimball. Yeah, Kimball or Kimball. Yeah, Kim, whatever. Kimball. I don't know. Her neighbors are worried because nobody's seen or heard from the 70-year-old woman in at least oh. a week. Oh, no. Police arrive at the scene to discover the body of Blanche Kimball, stabbed and left for dead. It was obvious from the scene that Blanche had put up a fight, which, yes, queen, but had been stabbed nearly 20 times in the chest and at least a dozen times in the head, which just made me vom. I can't handle it. Oh, God. In the head? How do you stab someone in the head? What the oh, fuck? Oh, God. I mean, it has to be hard, right? Like, would the knife... Right? Like in a Our dull skull? knives would not, would not right. work. Oh, God. It's just... That that detail, I was just like... I, I sat there for 10 minutes just like brain dead because I'm like, what? <sighs> How does that work? Okay. I hate it. Uh, So police estimated that Blanche had been dead for at least a week. Evidence was collected from the scene and photos were taken, but overall the police were stumped. The only suspect in the murder was a homeless man who had boarded at Blanche's house previously. A neighbor reported seeing the same homeless man breaking into a house in the same neighborhood around the time of the murder. Police moved to make an arrest, but realized fairly quickly that the man had disappeared without a trace. Unfortunately, in the man's absence and without any hard evidence, the case went cold for 34 years. The case remained unsolved. Wow. Okay. Around 2009. So I I read several articles about this, this particular case and some said 2009, some said 2010. And there was one that said 2008. Okay. So so I'm going to say around 2009. No, not super recent. (laughs) Seattle, Washington, a Mm -hmm. 63 year old man named Gary Robb, R-A-U-B, is arrested after getting into a physical altercation with another man who escaped the scene. In the fight, Rob pulled a knife, but managed only to cut his own stomach. So, fail. (gasps) Evidently, this was not Gary's first arrest. Our boy was a homeless man with a lengthy criminal record and had quite the rap sheet. 
Upon his arrest, Rob's knife was collected and logged into evidence. He was eventually released because the victim of the attack had fled and they couldn't track him down. So they let Rob go. Now, in Maine, all open cases are assigned to homicide detectives. And the cases oh, wow. are constantly reviewed, even cold cases, time permitting. Good. Evidently, there's not much murder going on there because otherwise, otherwise, I don't think Wait, they yeah, would Maine show this level of like very diligence. Safe. Yeah, Maine is actually yeah, like one of the safest yeah. places, or at least Portland. Right. Know. Well, I think it's one of the lower populated states in general. Yeah. So that always helps. True. Right. Um, so yeah. evidently, there's not much murder occurring there, but. Regardless, it's a pretty cool system that they have worked out, and it worked out in this case. Regardless, when the DNA from Blanche Kimball's murder was checked for matches again in 2010, they actually got a hit off the DNA from Gary Robb's knife found in Seattle. Turns out, in the 1970s, Gary had been living on the streets in Maine under the name Gary Robert Wilson, the same homeless man that had been spotted in Blanche's neighborhood. Now, by this point, Gary was not in police custody, Authorities in Maine cooperated with Seattle police to track him down and collect up-to-date DNA from Gary because, remember, his arrest had been the year before. So police hatch a plan. They approach Gary on the street and invite him to participate in a chewing gum survey. And Gary said, say less. (laughs) No freaking way. He said, you say jump, I say how high, because he chewed 17 different pieces of gum. (laughs) way. For them, thinking it was a chewing gum survey. No, I I would absolutely do that, but now I know. Yeah, of course. Comes now you know not to do that. Cool friends, if anyone comes up to you asking to participate in chewing gum survey, they're either crazy or they're police. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, they either want to clone you or yeah. like figure out some Just weird thing about your no. DNA. Yes, exactly. Ooh. So um, let's see, I lost my place. Police now had an abundance of evidence and were able to make the arrest of Gary Robb, a.k.a. Gary Robert Wilson, on October 17, 2012, 36 years after Blanche Kimball's death, making this the oldest case, cold case to ever be cracked in Maine. Woo-hoo. So I knew that was going to be a quick case to cover, and initially that was my only case, so my segment would have been over really quickly, but naturally oh. I have to continue my pattern of talking for way too long. So here's the second case. <laughs> Here's the second case. So I typed chewing gum cold case because my tabs randomly closed, like Chrome crashed, and I found it completely by accident. So I was like trying to find the article, and I found another one. Miss Blanche's case was not the only cold case to be closed with chewing gum. Like, what the fuck? Apparently, DNA extracted from a 35-year-old piece of chewing gum, you helped to close the case of a murder of a woman in her apartment all the way across the pond in England. That's crazy that I was wondering like how old the gum was. So in Blanche's case, it was recent, new, they did it purposely, but like it is, I was wondering if there was going to be any older ones because I never knew it would be possible to extract DNA there. That's crazy. Uh In this case, yeah, in this case, it was a piece of chewing gum and I'll explain where, like how it tied into the scene, but it's very mm-hmm. interesting. In 1981, a 24 year old woman named Nova Welsh was found dead in a cupboard in her home in Birmingham. Oh. She was a mother of two children, both under the age of six. She was believed to have been killed on July 27th, 1981, but her body was not discovered for three weeks because she had been locked in a cupboard. Uh, An autopsy. Yeah. Did you just see the family in California? No. 
there was a family in California that died in 2020 in their house and, and um, people just found them last week. So the decomposing, the decomposing bodies were there for two, three years. Holy um, fuck. Are they mummified? Like what the hell? I don't know. And, and basically they were like, well, they must've had, had everything on auto pay and like the HOA take care, takes care of their yard. So that never got out of shape. And like, uh, I don't know how, how people didn't. How did no one smell them? Right. Or like figure it out, like family members, friends, anything. But it was um, a son and his two parents. They think it was a murder, murder, suicide. Holy shit. You have to look it up after this. It's crazy. Yeah, I will. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah, because I'm, I'm doing it. No, I'm doing another like family annihilation um, next week. Annihilation? Jesus Christ. That's what it's called. A family annihilator Ew, is someone who kills that. the whole family. Yeah. Oh. Um, but that I'm covering like a crazy one next week. I'm really excited. Um, okay. Anyway. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that fun little piece of news. Yeah. Just <laughs> so check it out. Totally. Okay. So an autopsy revealed that she had been killed by pressure to the neck, which fear unlocked, whatever the fuck that means. Right? I don't know. Like Jesus. It, it wasn't strangulation. It wasn't suffocation. Pressure to the neck. That's what the official cause of death was. I hate that. I don't know what that means. Her ex-partner and the father of her children, a man named Osmond Bell, had been an obvious suspect from the get-go. Bell had a history of domestic violence and particularly committing domestic violence against Nova, but had uh, she had recently broken free. Mm-hmm. Bell denied his involvement in Nova's death and was eventually released due to a lack of evidence. Remember, this is in 1981, I believe. Okay. The first solving of a homicide using DNA evidence does not occur until 1986. So without that technology, police were at a loss and the case went cold. So imagine that is like, like, I don't, it's a, it's miraculous to me that they solved anything, you know? And the fact that all the evidence was circumstantial for the most part, because they can't really prove anything with forensic science wasn't a science, right? Right. DNA was not widely used to solve crimes until later but as we know it takes time to collect dna to enter it into the system and you have to have something to match it against like evidence collected from a crime scene right and since bell was not in custody and the dna had not been collected from the scene there was nothing to put those puzzle pieces together my assumption Mm -hmm. is that law enforcement was prioritizing open cases when dna first became widely used and given that nova's murder occurred in 1981 it was probably not a priority Mm -hmm. right um, and they didn't even have Osmond Bell's DNA on file, to my knowledge. Damn. As news of this groundbreaking technology spread, there was an influx of families coming forward with requests for unsolved cases to be reopened. And Nova's family was one of those families. So in 2014, a secondary forensic analysis was carried out. Among the evidence collected in the original investigation was an envelope containing an anonymous letter which had been sent to Nova's family after her murder and it revealed that a person referred to only as X was responsible for her death. One other piece of evidence was collected, a piece of chewing gum. After 35 years, forensic scientists obtained a genetic profile taken from the envelope as well as the chewing gum, so they needed only a suspect to match it against. Obviously, police immediately set their sights on Bell, who had been their primary suspect at the beginning, and they were granted a warrant for a saliva sample. In 2014, it was determined the DNA on both the envelope and the chewing gum were a one in one billion match to Bell's DNA. And he was soon rearrested, then sentenced on March 22nd, 2017 to just 12 years in prison. 
Oh, wow. Police alleged that Bell had discovered that Nova had a new boyfriend and obviously did not like it. So in a fit of rage, he killed her and stuffed her in a cupboard, which he locked. In order to seal the lock and prevent it from being reopened, he put a piece of chewing gum inside the lock. His (gasps) piece of chewing gum. Shut up. Following the verdict, Nova's mother, Lorna, said she was glad Nova could finally rest in peace. I thought that was... And that was an interesting case too. That is literally crazy. Like, isn't that weird? Hey, and another little (laughs) tip for you ghoul friends. If you do plan on murdering someone, don't chew gum and leave it at the scene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't don't chew gum at all because you could just like spit everywhere by accident. Yeah. I love chewing gum. Crazy shit could happen. Yeah, me too. Okay. Third case. Because there is a third one. Here we go. I kind of like these mini cases. Yeah, right? I, I like I like this. Easier for my idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the same it's the same concept that wine and crime, I think, has been operating under, right? Like yeah, they, true, true, true. they each have like short cases or they may even have a number of them, you know? Yeah. Um topic. Okay. So in nineteen ninety two, an elementary school teacher named Christy Marac was found murdered in her home in East Lampeter Township, Pennsylvania. She had been strangled, beaten with a wooden cutting board, then raped. DNA was collected at the scene, but there were no matches and no suspects. Until 26 years later, in 2018, a sample collected from the scene was sent to Parabon Nano Labs at the urging of Christie's brother, Vince Marac, who had never stopped searching for his sister's killer. That's the awesome. genetic profile gave technicians a phenotype, which is a rough physical description of the killer. So they knew like his eye color, his hair, and then they put it through age advancement technology mm. where they were able to see roughly what he looked like. Um, on top of that, they submitted this sample, the DNA sample to a public genetic genealogy database, also known as ancestral DNA. Yeah. This particular database was known as GEDmatch or GED match. I'm not really sure how to say it, but. Uh, some of you ghoul friends may be familiar with this as it was this technique that was used to catch the Golden State Killer. Yes. Okay. Okay. Police were able to find, to finally name a suspect using DNA submitted to the database by his half sister, um, a man named Raymond Rowe. That, that was a little confusing, but Raymond's half sister had submitted DNA to this database for an unrelated reason. And then they were able to match his DNA against hers and come up with a suspect. So Raymond Rowe was a 49-year-old DJ <laughs> known as DJ Freeze, which is... Okay, okay. Get it's it. F-R-E-E-Z. Get it, I guess. E-E-Z. I love it so much. Get it, I guess. Yeah. So, it, and he's like a DJ in rural Pennsylvania. Like, okay. I'm like, are you an Amish DJ? What's happening? Yeah, or like, so, I don't know, Speak 16, you know, any of those. Right. Why not? Yeah. That's money. It's like the the Betsy Faria case with um the thing about Pam. Remember I told you about that show? Oh yeah. So Betsy Faria was like this sweet little mom who was living in I think Indiana or she was somewhere in the Midwest and she was this like cancer patient and she had mm-hmm. survived cancer once and was it had um relapsed and she or relapsed what? come back the cancer had come back and she but she was a dj it was just like the weirdest fact about her i was like what it doesn't match at all because she literally looks like this i consider myself a dj when i get the ox but that's very different than like someone who can actually jockey discs you know (laughs) jockey discs yep Mm mm-hmm 
So yeah, it's a verb. <laughs> okay. Like, so yeah, I'm like whatever. Police located Roe where he was turning tables at a school event. They collected a water bottle Roe had drank from, <gasps> as well as a discarded piece of chewing gum, oh. and sent both of them to a state crime lab. So the police were like, okay, we're just going to like take your water bottle. Wow. I don't think he knew about it. No, and technically that's, that's legal because he, they took it out of the trash, I'm assuming, right? So yeah, they sent them both to a state crime lab from CNN. This is a quote from CNN. Owing to DNA technology, the odds are, quote, astronomical. <laughs> I love that word. Astronomical <laughs> that anyone else committed the crime. The probability of the perpetrator being anyone else is one. <laughs> the mm. volume level on this bus is astronomical. It's it is way too loud. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay. Mark. So the probability. <laughs> Snarky Marky. Love him. Okay. The probability of the perpetrator being anyone else is one in 200 octillion among the Caucasian what? population. Okay. 200 octillion. Okay. Sure. So. Obviously, there are only 7.6 billion or whatever people on the planet, 8 billion, whatever it is now. I don't know. And, you know, I'm just saying, like, the odds, it's impossible for it to be anyone but him. That's my point. Right, right. They, so the samples were a positive match for the DNA from Christy Morak's murder scene, and Raymond Rowe was arrested in June of 2018, pled guilty in 2019, and was sent life in prison recent was sentenced to life in prison plus 60 to 120 additional years wow so like good he ain't getting out you know in august 2021 raymond attempted to withdraw his guilty plea saying he had been coerced into pleading guilty to avoid the death penalty as far as i guess but as far as i can tell nothing came of this withdrawal Raymond remains in custody today. I'll end with a quote from Christine Wilson, who's a Lancaster County prosecutor who successfully built the case against Raymond Rowe. Quote, cold cases are so important to continue working because a person murdered 30 or 40 years ago is no less significant than a person murdered last week, says Wilson. Quote, family members of cold case homicide victims are living in a horrible state of constant sadness due to the great unknown. It was very rewarding to be one of the team members to obtain justice for Christie's family, end quote. Wow. That was a right? very, very good case. Well, three cases that were all I know. solved by an everyday object. Chewing gum. That's crazy. <laughs> Isn't that weird? It's it crazy. is really weird. That was a really fun one, I think. And that was a really strong quote at the end because it is true. They're no less significant. Yeah. And, yeah, and I've never really thought about it that way. Like, I yeah. feel like it's pretty consistent across the board that that police prioritize, you know, recent. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, it's true. Or like, yeah, bigger cases in media. Same thing. That's our merch. That's our merch is recent. Recent. (laughs) It's recent. What? What? What's recent? Okay. Hit me with it, girl. Marissa's mystery. So this week I wanted to talk about something that – I mean, it's always been a mystery to me because I never did any research on it. And I always just thought it was this mysterious thing. 
And I've decided to pull a Giorgio from Ancient Aliens. Do you know who I'm talking about? Nope. He's the guy, he's the <laughs> meme. And he goes, aliens. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because I, today we're talking about crop circles. <gasps> yes! yes! They are. I have been requesting this from day one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, it's so such a good. Excited. Such a good request. For the ghoul friends that don't know, they're those intricate designs that just randomly show up in the middle of a crop field, basically. Um, and before my research today, I could not be convinced that those were not created by aliens because that is just the type of person I am. I just am like, nope, that's an alien for sure. But during my research, I got into the details and honestly, it's a lot simpler and a little more wholesome than you may think. So it's not so spooky at all. Um, oh man. But I well first I'll get into how the phenomenon of these crop circles and the, and the hype around them got started and give you like the actual logical explanation of these things because it's a little more like educational this week than conspiracy ridden, which is cool. But then I absolutely will get into what the TV show Ancient Aliens thinks. So stick around if you want like the the alien version. Okay. Okay. I'll stick so. around. <laughs> If you don't, I have no will, no reason to do any of this. So please, I'm begging. True. Okay. In the 1960s, multiple UFO sightings were reported around Tully, Queensland in Australia. Shortly after people saw those UFOs, they ended up seeing these large circles in swamps and sugarcane fields around that same area. So investigators came out and they concluded that these circles were artificial, but could not say who made them. Hmm. One of these UFO and crop circle sightings is known as the Tully saucer nest. And basically, yeah. sounds weird. <laughs> well, when you say it in an Australian accent, Tully saucer nest. Wait, <laughs> let me get my. That was British. Let me get into my. I Australian. thought you. We I thought you were gonna say it. Today, <laughs> mate, it's the Tully saucer nest. That sounds cool. Okay, that's better. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. It, so, or it sounds like a dive bar. That too. Should we start it? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Oh my God. Okay, cool. Next business venture. I love it. Okay. Yes. Uh, a farmer stated that he witnessed a UFO rise above a swamp near him and then fly away. After further investigation, aka just like walking over to where it was, um, <laughs> the farmer found a circular indent in the greenery that was approximately 32 feet long by 25 feet wide. Approximately? Insane. Yeah, approximately. 32.75 feet. Like, it's not like he got out a ruler. Well, maybe he did. I mean, it says 32. I don't know. I'm just reading what the article said. Okay. I know, um, but when I approximate, I'm like within tens, you know? Yeah. It's approximately okay. Approximately 20. 35 feet by 25 feet long. Okay. Give or take. Okay. Uh, it was a sm- like a singular... Not small. What? <laughs> it was, it was a singular circle, and it wasn't perfectly round like you see in in modern crop circles. But basically, investigators claimed that you know this could have happened by a drought or a dust devil or a water spout, which are the dust devil and the water spout are natural phenomenons that I've never heard of. I assume that's like a tornado and then like a flood. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. But, you know, not much came of that. 
basically it just kind of gave an uproar to the area and people were on the lookout and media caught on and you know they were like could it be ufos we don't know but after that uh, a few more crop circle sightings had happened between 1960 and the 1990s but in 1991 actually two men named doug bauer and dave shorley announced to the world that they had been the ones behind the crop circles. Wow. Okay. They were Let's... surely guilty. <laughs> <laughs> they were. I mean, guilty of what? They're just like two dudes. I'll get into it, but um, I, I'll just get into it. Let's get into it. <laughs> two dudes. Two okay. dudes sitting in a hot tub. Five feet Because they're not gay. Ugh, vine. If you don't know what we're talking about, it's a vine, okay? Okay. So they say that they were inspired by the Tully Sassanast and decided to make people's (laughs) lives a little more interesting by creating these crop circles, mostly where they were from in Wiltshire, which is in England, um, because there happened to be many UFO sightings there as well. So they wanted to kind of stir the pot, if you will. They wanted to like give people something more than just a UFO sighting, but an actual like land of evidence to make them excited and scared. And I don't know. Um, so when they came out with this information, people did not believe them, especially UFOologists, but they showed us exactly how they did it with a plank of wood and some rope. So they literally would take this plank of wood in, uh, a field and essentially just like mow over the crop kind of, um, to flatten Mm -hmm. it down. So literally a group of press, like a group of photographers, videographers, news people met them in a field to film them creating their so-called crop circles with that wooden rope. And sure enough, they ended up making this beautifully perfect geometric crop circle. Um, Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's crazy. Like, I guess they're, and it's like, yeah, they proved themselves. Like they're not just, it's not like they would just say it and then they would like learn it the night before and then go do it. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) they definitely had practice. They were definitely creating some crop circles. So despite where it was aliens. Yeah, that too. Well, and I'll get into that later, too, because I still don't know. I mean, okay. I'm like, all right, simple answer is like, yeah, it was just these two guys, I hope but... you talk about the ones from the first episode of Ancient Aliens, the ones in, like, Peru or wherever those are. Oh. Like the landing strips. Are you going to talk about those? No. Bitch, what? Those are the ones I told you about. Ugh. Oh, fuck. Sorry. Did not The see first that. episode of Ancient Aliens, they talk about how, like, what? on these, like, these, like, cliffs in Peru or wherever, I think. Maybe Mexico, I don't know. But there's these big, like, flat cliffs that have been completely leveled um, into, like, a field. And basically, they're they're only visible from the sky. So they're saying the only explanation is that they had to have been created by aliens who or created for aliens from the sky, where they could Whoa. see from the sky. This is, because this is, like, a thousand years before the invention of the airplane. Yeah. Wait, so, and like, um, wait, that's interesting because, well, I'll get into it too, but there, I watched an episode, or not an episode, I Googled, not Googled, YouTubed, whatever, Ancient Aliens Crop Circles. And so that's where I got my information for that. I didn't bring up any of that. Ah, okay. Let me, I'm going to try and find a picture and I'll send it Yeah, to you. please do. Okay. So despite these two saying they created the crop circles in the past decade since Tully's saucer next appeared, UFOologists are still convinced that Tully's was created by a real UFO. And that's yeah. because, you know, that one wasn't necessarily 
hundred percent perfect. And I, and it was just like a weird time and it was huge. And they were like, the guy saw the UFO beforehand and then went over to investigate and saw this. So they're still convinced that it was created by an unidentified flying object. Right. Originally, Bauer and Chorley had been making crop circles for a while and then almost gave up because no one was actually paying attention to the mystery behind them. Like no one, no one really found them. Um, and they realized that they were not necessarily putting them in, in highly populated areas because they're mostly created in like wheat fields. Right. And how many people are like going to wheat fields on a weekend? So they decided to take their art to a new location. Cheese Foothead. What? What'd yeah, it's called Cheesefoot Head. It's like, a, I don't know, a well-known well spot for tourists. And so they decided to make an 80-foot wide crop circle within the area. Um, and literally the day after they created that crop circle in Cheesefoot Head, they, they made national... <laughs> what the fuck? I know, I really like, I really like saying it. Cheesefoot Head. It's I a place. It, isn't that crazy? It sounds gross. Anyways, literally the next day it made national news. And shortly after, of course, UFOologists and paranormal experts came forward with their own explanations. They said ghosts, aliens, warning signs of global warming, perhaps. Uh, In fact, one outlet uh, referred to the crop circle to be made from a superior intelligence, which made the two men, Bauer and Chorley, laugh because they were like, we're just two dudes with a wood plank and some rope. You know, nothing intelligent here, but... You know, back then, people believed it. Yeah, we're idiots. Yeah, no, they were literally laughing at the media because they were like, this is hilarious. Finally, people are paying attention to us. Uh, or to art. They don't know, like, at that point that it's them. I don't know. They have to be somewhat intelligent to, like, because you said this thing was 32 feet wide. No, 80 feet. Um, the 32 by 50 foot was the Scully, or Tully, the Tully one in, in um Australia. Oh, yeah, That's yeah, where yeah. they got their inspiration to start doing mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. I can't, um, I'm not, I can't pay attention. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, okay. So of course the duo didn't stop there. They actually told some specialists that they were wildlife experts and they were often exploring around the area and that they'd call if they'd see anything suspicious. So obviously they made more crop circles and called them in. They like Right. literally called the media on themselves. It reminds me of the TikTokers that call the paparazzi on themselves because they absolutely oh, yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of celebrities do that. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I mean, that's how you stay, you know, relevant in, in, the, relevant. in the media, in the yes. public eyes. I don't know. <laughs> so meteorologists at the time were trying to think of logical explanations as they do and determine since the spirals were always a certain way, they must have caused, been caused by downward spiraling winds. Um, and I don't know like what? science and stuff like that. And like also they're really, really sharp geometric shapes so I don't think that's possible but obviously they're trying to look and be you know logistical Bauer and Shirley took note uh, that you know they were always in the same spirals and actually revamped their designs to include more variety in about 1980 Bauer's wife grew suspicious of what he was doing in his free time because the car's odometer was increasing rapidly and I'm like (laughs) that she's a queen for noticing her surroundings. Cause I have right. no idea how many miles are on my car right now. And I feel like I need to start paying attention to that stuff more. So. Yeah. Well now you do. Now, now you're going to be like checking Eric's odometer. Yeah. Thank you. Mrs. Bauer. Where the fuck have you been? Liar. Liar. Where have you been with this Kia Optima? 
Okay. Anyways, <laughs> she she called him out. She was like, where have you been? I don't understand where you're going. Like, you know, this is a lot of mileage. And he, conf- right. he confessed to her. He was like, oh. I've been making crop circles with Shirley. <laughs> and she'd be like, lie out. See, she, I yeah, would- she was. She was like, there's no way. Like, I don't yeah, believe what the you. What kind of story is that? So to convince her, he said, go ahead and design your very own crop circle and I'll go out and make it. And literally she made her own crop circle, like on a piece of paper and he went to a nearby field and did it. Okay. (laughs) So she was like, okay, like, yeah, I believe you. And, and, you know, she was like, you can keep creating them. If this is what you like to do in your free time, go ahead. And sure enough, Bauer and Chorley kept creating them for six more years after that point until 1991, when they confessed it was them the whole time. She said, not here to yuck your yum. Exactly. You know, it's better than drugs and cheating. So there you go. Yeah, that's true. If she was like, if he, mm-hmm. if he was like, I'm creating crop circles, she's like, oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God. Something I would be relieved that. for sure. Yeah. She probably got the worst. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the UFOologists and paranormal specialists, and there's actually a new job out there that's coined uh, for the crop circle specialists. That term is serialologists, like cereal, but serialologists. Like cereal, so cool. like, like uh, they're after... M- my lucky charms like cereal. yeah yeah cereal? but they're crop circle okay. specialists which is pretty neat but they that group of you know career path of those people they refused to believe the duo and unfortunately for many of them it was their lives work so their full-time job you know day in day out investigating <laughs> yeah. these phenomenons to so be revealed that it was just two dudes with a stick of wood and a rope this whole time they were like no there's no way we refuse to believe that and yeah I mean, these people were literally studying, like, the soil, the weather patterns, the sky, like, all to be fooled by these two dudes who got drunk one night and decided it'd be fun to mess That's with people. so devastating. Yeah. So, and- Also, what are you doing next weekend? Because let's do- <laughs> Let's go make a crop circle, right? Oh let's gosh. do it. <laughs> that would be really fun. But, okay, they did have some- pretty good evidence as to why not all crop circles were created by Bauer and Shirley. Um, mm-hmm. The biggest one being that there was crop circles in other parts of the world, perhaps. Right. And they're right, right, obviously right. not traveling to go create these things. So yeah, they were like, there's just no way. But obviously some people are like, okay, well, people drew inspirations from the ones that were showing up in England and created their own there. But I'm like, how did they figure out how to do it too? You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. It, all of it just seems a little weird to me. So it's like, part of me is like, okay, just these two dudes that were having some fun, but then they started showing up everywhere else. And I'm like, I don't know what to believe. So those who wanted to believe in aliens wanted to believe otherwise from Bauer and Shirley, and they still do. And speaking of, our sweet friends over at the History Channel have many a television programs about the crop circles, but today I'll be referencing to Ancient Aliens episodes to explain a more extraterrestrial force behind these artistic marks. Right. So, in 2004, there was actually a rock found at the Roswell, New Mexico UFO crash site, which I mentioned in episode 11, so go listen mm-hmm. to that if you haven't. Mm-hmm. Anyways, there was this rock found with an engraved design that looked familiar to some UFOologists. In fact, this was a design that was found as a crop circle in Chiseldon, UK, back in like the 1900s. So Mr. Giorgio from Ancient Aliens states that this could be a way perhaps crop circles are used for 
as a way for aliens to communicate with us. You know, they're leaving right. us these similar symbols all around. And, and it's interesting to me because you have to think aliens must have some sort of language. And it reminds me specifically of the movie Arrival, which is one of the movies that I, one of the only movies that I know and that I'll rewatch and that I love, <laughs> um, how they tried to communicate that has, um, back then. Jennifer Lawrence in it, right? No, Amy Adams. Yes, yes. I yeah, was like, okay. I don't think it's her, but it's blonde. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tried to communicate with humans, but they had their own, like, what they called a universal language. We just weren't smart enough to know it back then. So I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. my gosh, this, I mean, this, that could make sense. Giorgio, you're really convincing me like you always do. I yeah. love Giorgio. Anyways. Apparently, further evidence proves this theory because some specialists found that there is actually scientific and mathematical equations that are within some of these crop circles. In fact, one crop circle in particular was supposedly a visual representation of pi down to the 10th decimal. And I know that must be confusing. Like, how is a crop circle a uh, representation of pi? I'm going to ask you to go ahead and Google it really quick because I forgot to put it on the drive. But look up um, crop circle... Visual representation pi, pi. I guess. Yeah, pi. And the way it was determined it was a graphical representation of pi was through measuring the arcs of each segment within that crop circle. Do you have it pulled up? Yeah. So you see the arcs and then like the lines that stop the arc? Yeah. So that's how they know to like stop measuring. So they measured all of those arcs um, and then like obviously stopped measuring when there was that stopper there. And it, it... relates to or it equates to pi down to the 10th decimal which is just now i the movie contact which you still haven't watched right is it talks about how aliens would communicate in the only truly universal language which is mathematics wait that's literally my next bullet point yeah (laughs) i was like another commentator states that math is the universal language which is interesting Mm -hmm. to me because he says if we ever do get to communicate with aliens or if we're doing so right now, that it'll happen through math. God, I'm fucked. Yeah. But the only question I have is like, <laughs> would they not try and give us more complex like equations? Like, I don't know, like the cure to cancer or, or something. And maybe they have, and we just don't know how to like solve them from the Or circles. there are those movies, there are those movies that are like, you know, where aliens can essentially speak every language known to man. Wait, that's literally my next bullet point. Did you read? Oh my God. No, I don't really didn't. <laughs> I was like, well, that, and then I wrote down also, I think that if they're much further ahead of us in technology, how come they don't speak every language? Oh my God, I'm sorry. No, I literally wrote down too. Clearly I'm looking into this too much. I just need to lean into the fun. Okay. No, moving clearly on. <laughs> I'm, I'm, the, I'm the superior intelligence. Yeah, That's what's maybe happening. I'm just like really good at like um, storytelling to lead you to my next thought. You know what I mean? I believe so. I right. believe that's, that's why. totally it. <laughs> yeah. um, I might be taking a storytelling uh, workshop at work, so I will. Wait, seriously? You... Yeah. Why? Just uh, <laughs> continuing education. <laughs> they pay for oh. it, so I'm like, yeah, I might as well take some workshops. That's so, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll report back with my findings, but I don't know when it is. Okay. <laughs> Keep it focused. Keep it focused. Where am I? Right, right, right. Okay. Uh, also, language. Yes. Also noted in this episode. Um, is that a lot of crop circles contain sacred geometry. And a lot of scientists believe that these sacred geometric patterns are a way to communicate time travel, whatever, to these higher dimensions, which is interesting to me because 
if you've seen Demi Lovato's show called Unidentified, you'd remember in one of their final episodes, they sit under a sacred geometric tent to meditate and try and make contact with extraterrestrials. And spoiler alert, there are some weird things that go on in the sky. So who knows? This could be this could be a little more legitimate than we may think. Yeah. Uh, the last theory I want to discuss with an ancient aliens, maybe I need to do a, an update episode and talk about those uh, landing pads that you were talking about because this is my last well, we theory. Add, but we can, I mean, we can add it at the end because I have, I can send you a link. I sent oh, you a okay. link to like the image results, oh, but um, let me pull it up. This is like this is the history. dot com <gasps> article oh, about weird. it, and oh, some of them are. Different. That's not a crop some, circle. That's a freaking. That yeah, is... some of them are um, thirty miles long. What the fuck? That is not a crop circle. That is, that is, scary. But it's the same principle. It's in a field, and it's like an outline. Oh my god, I hate that. Yeah. Did you see the monkey? What the fuck? Yeah, the spider is what's killing me. Yeah. What the fuck? The monkey, mm-hmm. I guess the tail is a crop circle there, huh? And some of them are perfectly th- – so they estimate that they're, like, several thousand years old. So this is before the invention of flight. So the only way to know what they possibly look like, if they're 30 miles wide, the only way to know what it looks like or it's even know above. that it's there is from above. And it's hanging off those cliffs? Yeah. <gasps> okay, well, keep this part in. You just explained it beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> and there are some that are, like – uh, birds and like there's one that's like a weird yeah it's called the like, Nazca lines in Peru N-A-Z-C-A yeah. anyone that wants to look it up yeah it's really Nazca lines. To see. you it's true you wouldn't see this this isn't something you would sit down and have a picnic and see a crop circle in the field next right to if you were on the field you wouldn't even know they're wide enough that you wouldn't even know that they're there are some that are like creatures that i've never seen before like the bird with the long beak and like the multiple wings so if you look on the third row of the image mm-hmm. link and you see the first one on the left oh yeah what is oh, that yeah i don't know it looks like a weird bird of sorts yeah and then the one or like a shark or something and then the one immediately below it that looks like some sort of fish to me Wait, yeah. But it's Ooh. it's so strange. It's spooky. It really is. See, yeah. this came up in my uh, research on Yeah, it's so circles. weird. So so you're right that technically they are not crop circles. Yeah, but and I'd imagine it's the same concept. Yeah, it's, I think it's like, it'd be like, what, same, same, remember I was trying to talk about it, like it's the same kind of animal, different species. Or same oh, yeah, species, yeah. different Same species, breed. different member it's like a dog but it's a different breed of dog if that makes sense right, right, right. it is it is yeah, different. Yeah. it's it's larger it's weirder shapes more specifically like animals and fly, like birds and like flying things kind of versus like crop circles are very like like almost sacred geometry so these aren't and it's yeah. weird that it's like only in peru like that's crazy to me and too. they're not super symmetrical either like some of them are yeah but this, this is from history.com. It says, there are more than 800 straight lines on the coastal plains, some of which are 30 miles long. Additionally, there are over 300 geometric designs, which include basic shapes such as triangles, rectangles, and trapezoids, as well as spirals, arrows, zigzags, and wavy lines. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's actually and they just have, like 
from prehistoric times when giants were a real thing because they were totally yeah, a maybe. real thing. And they're they like, just like kid giants trying to draw with sidewalk chalk. Chalk outlines. Yeah, Murder. Exactly. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait a minute. There are, it says, there are representations of about 70 animals and plants, some of which measure up to 1,200 feet long. Examples include a spider, hummingbird, cactus plant, monkey, whale, llama, duck, flower, tree, lizard, and dog. Wow. So clearly whoever did do these knows of all of those animals, which I feel like wouldn't be possible or like normal in Peru. Yeah, they also created other forms such as a humanoid figure nicknamed (gasps) the astronaut. (gasps) I bet there was some sort of like... I've got to Google Space that Space helmet on or something. Yeah, but then what? what's the helmet? It's the same with those the drawings that they found in those, like, in the ancient tombs where it looks like an yeah. oxygen helmet. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Well, that maybe the helmet is, so is like, I, that's anything like that. I'm like, that has to be time travel. Um, yeah. And they had to wear helmets maybe because our Earth is so pol- actually, like, polluted. Or I don't, I don't know. But that does bring me into my last theory, which is oh yeah yeah Go time for travel. It. Sorry. So another theory discussed in my or in the Ancient Aliens episode is that mm-hmm. crop circles are actually used for time travel, and they build the question: Are crop circles for humans at all, or is it a method of communication and travel of an unknown origin? Hmm. They say perhaps that the time travelers use the crop circles as an a-, a level of accuracy to their time travel. So kind of like in different space and time, there's different crop circles to let them know where and when they're at. And hmm. personally, I'm not too sure about any of these theories now that the two bozos admitted that they were doing all of this. But hmm. I think yeah. it is interesting that they are all over the world and some are so intricate and so sharp edged that I'm like, there's no way something not extraterrestrial is behind it you know it's like how do you create those perfect beautiful lines in and how could you make it habitat yeah how could you make that without a machine of some kind right like a lawnmower like lawnmower designs absolutely go off love it like the checkered patterns the dads (laughs) put in their yards that's awesome that's great (laughs) looks good but to not have any sort of of that machinery to create the crop circles that are popping up to this very day it's just so interesting to me but yeah, that's Marissa's mystery. Crap circles, that's baby. Crazy. It is. I highly recommend you guys giving it a gook for yourself. The Nazca lines too are insane. I think that was the first time I've seen that. Uh, yeah. So thanks for bringing that up, Grace. I mean, that was that. Those are crazy in themselves. I just sent you a picture of the astronaut one. You see it? <gasps> oh, isn't that weird? Yeah, I hate that. And. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like it's waving. Does it not? It does. Yeah, the arm is up. Like, hey. Mm-mm. Hey, we're Mm-mm. down here. So friendly, Fuck at that. least, you know? Yeah. So weird. And it looks like it's wearing, like, a gas mask. It does. I was just to say, that is freaky. I hate it. Love it. I hate it. Love it. What is behind it? I hate it, and I love it. Can't wait I hate to it, find it. But I love it. Okay, wow. Well, good one. Oh, I'm so good glad one. you covered that. Yeah, I'm too. It was really interesting to hear about the. I had no clue about the two guys that were originally behind the ones in in England. So that was really really yeah. cool to learn about. And like literally just two. It kind two of sucks, dudes. but it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it still it still bodes the question as to why they showed up all over the world. Like you're like, there's no way somebody could have learned about it in 1990 and decided they wanted to do it for themselves in Europe and Asia and other parts of america you know it's like something else right that's true it doesn't explain it doesn't explain the ones elsewhere i don't know 
but weird. It, it's kind of it reminds me a little bit too of the the monolith that popped up in uh, the really remote uh, hiking area of I don't know it might have been Utah or Arizona, and it was mm. that big steel like pole basically, and then an artist came forward and said it was his, and it was an experiment. Wow, you even heard people about that? get in trouble that for that. That just happened like two years ago in 2020, I think. Recent. And then, and then two, you know what? Then that, then you're like, okay, well. Um, then other monoliths started popping, popping up around the world, but it, he said it wasn't his. So I think maybe wow. copycat artists type of thing. So just How big was confusion. it? Look it up. It says, yeah, I'm looking at, I just found an article. So Long I-17 identified the monolith. Ew. That steel That's weird. thing. Yeah. But, but I don't understand how no one would have seen that sooner. How long had it been it there? Was in, it was in a um, more remote location. Like, it wasn't a normal hiking route. Like, you didn't, I don't think people were supposed to hike there, but this group did, and they found it. But it's on the side of an interstate. No, the first one wasn't. Oh, am I looking? Maybe I'm looking at a different one. This first one was in, in the middle of, like, the Red Rocks. Oh, okay. This says, this time north of Phoenix... Arizona what the fuck yeah crazy anyway well friends <laughs> thanks for sticking around thanks for um, listening to episode 24 24 oh, um, if you guys would like actually please just rate and review us on Apple podcasts and Spotify and Grace do you want to tell them where they can email us or find us on Instagram Sure. You can email us at wheremurdermeetsmystery at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at wheremurdermeetsmystery. Leave us a little comment. And Grace, I have one question for you. Yeah, what's your question? What's funnier than 24? 25. (laughs) See you cool friends next week for episode 25. Bye. Bye. Bye.